0: I'm Lawrence Carroll, and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. Last week, President Biden and top lawmakers postponed a meeting to discuss the debt ceiling that had been scheduled for Friday. They agreed to meet this week, and talks are currently underway at the staff level. However, there are just four days when the House and Senate are scheduled to be in session before June 1st, which is the date when the U.S. could default on its obligations. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said last Monday that the failure to raise the debt ceiling before the U.S. runs out of available cash and emergency measures could cause an economic catastrophe. The last time there was a debt ceiling debate in 2011, the yields on the 10-year U.S. Treasury bond fell almost 50 percent, and the S&P 500 fell 20 percent from peak to trough. So the first question is, what do you expect in the stock and bond markets over the next four weeks?
1: Well, I think it's pretty safe to say we're going to see elevated levels of volatility going into the end of this month if we don't get some form of an agreement. And the fact that they postponed the meeting last week is particularly concerning given the time frame in which we have to come to – both parties have to come to some form of an agreement. Now, the government is going to exhaust itself of capital and run out of cash on June 1st, but they recess for Memorial Day on May 26th. So we really only have 10 full days roughly before this actually runs out, and not everybody is going to be in session for this entire time period. So unless they are not going to go on vacation, which I doubt Congress is probably going to do, the amount of time that they have to negotiate and come to some form of an agreement is relatively narrow. Now, it does seem like they are making some headway. There was still some COVID relief money that has not been used or appropriated to different places. The Republicans really want spending cuts. Biden doesn't really want to give any headway on that. So I would say that given the time frame that we have left, there's not there, there are still a lot of items that really have to be discussed to come to some form of an agreement, which probably elevates and exacerbates that risk. And as you mentioned before, Larry, they did come to an agreement in 2011, which is the closest we've come previously to a debt ceiling breach. But prior to... Going into the negotiations, the ten-year Treasury was north of three percent, and it cratered to below two and two percent. It actually got closer to one and a half percent at that time period. So you saw a really significant downtick in Treasury yields. Stocks saw a lot of volatility, and part of it is due to the fact that the United, the entire global financial system, is based off of the pem- premise that the United States Treasury is the one risk-free asset. So if the U.S. Treasury defaults, it really throws into question a lot of the fundamentals that apply to the entire financial system on a global standpoint. And not a lot of uh, computer trading algorithms really know how to price different securities under that type of scenario. So that has the potential to create really elevated volatility. It does sound like the individuals who are negotiating this recognize that this is a very, very important and – you know, unprecedented type of circumstance for the US Treasury to default on its debt. Um, it is incredibly important that they come to some form of an agreement in one way, shape, or form. And I think that they understand that, but there are a lot of topics that need to be agreed upon beforehand with not a lot of time left at the negotiating table.
0: Okay. And um, other than that, Stanley Druckenmiller, who managed money for billionaire George Soros for more than a decade last week said at a conference that the U.S. economy is teetering on the edge of a recession and forecast a hard landing. He predicted the downturn will occur during the current quarter, and he cited a variety of factors, including a drop in retail sales and the upheaval gripping the nation's regional banks. He defined a hard landing as unemployment exceeding 5%, corporate profits slumping at least 20%, and rising bankruptcies. He added that he sees no fat pitches when it comes to offering investment ideas. The second question is: Do you agree with Stanley Druckenmiller? Is a recession coming, and will it begin in the current quarter?
2: No, absolutely not. First of all, uh, it's our stance that we had a technical recession, uh, that's passed. There's now elements of a rolling recession, uh, probably hitting every sector. You know, right now, obviously it's in banking, commercial real estate, etc. Um, Look, unemployment above 5% is uh, nothing bad, um, unless unfortunately you're you're one of those uh, percentages that are laid off. Obviously, that's horrible. But I I think that when you look at the U.S. economy, it is in extremely strong uh, shape right now. Again, there are some commercial real estate markets uh, that do worry us. Um, We maintain what we said at the beginning of the year in our annual firm economic and market update. In that and and I think the numbers really speak for themselves, right we're almost to the half a year point here, and we're almost halfway back uh to you know to what we lost last year um, uh, and uh, the numbers look pretty good, and everybody hates this market i've never seen uh, such a unloved, unrespected uh move where the and p year to date like I said is up about half of what what it lost last year uh coming into the half point so um, we think yields have backed off slightly. We think that earnings are coming in uh, better than expected. Yes, the, the financial, the, the banking sector, uh, especially regionals, uh, are problematic, especially as re- uh, real estate does reset. Um, but I think the consumer is in okay shape, and uh, the markets are have forecasted this type of recession and are now looking the other way. Um, and I've heard Druckenmiller uh, be wrong quite a few times, as we all are, right, uh, when you make those, you know, when you, you put those forecasts out on the limb. Um, but I, I, I don't think you're going to see that. I think when you look at the carnage at points of last year, again, tech being down what it was almost in 08, 09, it uh, didn't make much sense to us. Uh, and the financials obviously right now are, are taking it on the chin, but uh, things uh, should get better uh, over the long term.
1: See, I see different opportunities emerging in different areas because uncharacteristically to what we've seen in the past and more broad economic downturns, you know, COVID, financial crisis, the S&P corrected really significantly because you had the entirety of the S&P 500 correcting at the same time. Tech was really weak last year. You almost have this rolling recessionary period, like you said, that's hitting different sectors at different time periods. And the fact that there are certain things going into and coming out of all in different sequences is actually almost making the S&P 500 hold up better than what you would expect in this time frame. but. I don't necessarily agree with him that there are no, like, fat pitches. And I, I think your definition of fat pitch and, you know, the time frame in which you hold something is important. But in the scenario that he's describing, there are asset classes that will make money. So, yeah. I mean, and I Paul think- Tudor Jones is out there today, right, in the category of Miller, uh,
2: saying that, you know, the Fed's done raising rates and stocks will finish the year higher. So, you know, you got to take all these forecasts with a grain of salt, create a great long-term investment strategy, stick to it. And to Mike's point, when values appear, you got to take advantage of the values. And there are values right now, not as good as there was last year, but there are values abound, especially in some of those financials, um, and you know, possibly commercial real estate, which you know you want to buy real estate when it's hated and at the worst point. And uh, there's certainly some some really fire sales out there right now.
1: So yeah, we uh, talked about this this morning. You know, there's a lot of commercial real estate, but th- that's going to go bad. There's a lot of companies that have to refi at higher rates that. You know, benefited from the extremely low interest rate environment. But this is a known problem too. And yes, I do think it gets better before it gets worse, but how much is priced in? It's the same thing that we talked about last October when everything seemed extremely dire. And, you know, the NASDAQ has rebounded about, well, the NASDAQ 100 is up about 22% um, since that time period. So uh, w- w- there's a lot of knowns that are out there. Yeah. And the fact that everybody is so pessimistic is, you know, that we, we've been in an economic deceleration since really November of 2021. So this is not a (laughs) a new problem here.
2: You know, the consumer debt numbers this morning out surpassing 17 trillion um, for the first time, that's a little bit worrisome, but I guess the monetary base is so large right now that it makes sense that, you know, uh, you have all-time stock market valuations, not now, but you've had all-time high stock market valuations, all-time high real estate valuations. So if you look at the You know, uh, dollar in the monetary base. How you know inflated that got post COVID? It would make sense that these debt numbers have also grown, just like savings numbers and and cash on the sidelines. You know, five trillion in money markets waiting to get invested
1: also. Yeah, for sure. But that's exactly why it's taking so long for all these Fed rate hikes to hit the system because the majority of people – yeah, there's a lot of debt outstanding there. But a lot of people are locked into this debt, at like particularly long-term mortgages at really low interest rates. Yes, yes, It's The people who bought within the last year and those revolving lines of credit that can reset higher that are concerning yes. – That's why the Fed can hike rates as many times as it wants. They broke the banking system because ultimately, at the end of the day, their rate hikes aren't hitting the economy like they usually do because there are so many people. We had zero rates for so long that so many people are locked into low rates.
2: Time to take their foot off the gas, though. You know, I think they've—and look, rates have come a long way, man, right? They've come a long way. And the inflation numbers are backing off here. Um, If the economy does weaken up, which is what they've tried to do, which it should— uh, you know, I think we'll be in okay shape, but they've got to lay off the gas now. They, they've raised rates enough. The other thing to discount from a, from a stock buyer's perspective, right, from a market participant, I like the idea that we have real real rates now in this world, that our clients can take advantage of real rates locked in, you know, locked in and not have to take risk with a certain part of, the, part of their portfolio. And I like the idea that, you know, if if you ever have a black swan event, when you have the next black swan event, I should say, uh, the Fed's got plenty of power to, to cut interest rates and inject liquidity. So they've wrangled a lot out of the economy. The economy's holding on. It's okay. Okay, nothing's broken generally, right, except some of the regionals. And, uh, you know, we're we're in a good spot right now.
0: So people are predicting, like, another 5 to 10% drop in the stock market. You don't think that's going to happen? I mean, you
2: see another 5% uh, yeah, I I I would think that five percent would be tough to see uh, this year. You know, a three percent downdraft. A five? Do I see a five percent downdraft going to the end of the year? I, again, if you had the debt ceiling and, the, and that didn't work out, obviously yes, you would. Uh, you could see that in, in in easily a day, if not. You know, it could be a seven percent type of one day event. Um, but uh, if the debt ceiling goes uh, okay and gets solved. Inflation continues to back off. Do I see 5% down? I don't think so.
0: so That's very short. You don't point. think that, like, the back and forth and the tight time on the debt ceiling isn't going to cause, like, significant uh, declines? In the well, I
2: mean, that, that, like I said, if, if you have no resolution on that, you will see more than a 5% decline. Um, if you have resolution
0: on it, you won't. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. That was great. And if you'd like to... Uh, submit a question, send it to our email address, which is question at com, and we'll be back next
1: week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody.